Welcome to the U.S. Max Today podcast, produced by the Center for U.S. Mexican Studies at UC San Diego's School of Global Policy and Strategy. In today's podcast, U.S. Max Fellow and Professor of History at the Institute of Historical Research at UNAM, Sergio Miranda Pacheco, discusses environmental history in his talk titled The City That Was Not, Environmental Problems and Urbanization of Mexico City in the 1950s. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful to be here. Uh, first, I want to uh, give my thanks to, for the USMEC Center, Mexican Studies Center, his director, Dr. Fernandez de Castro, and Red Malinger, that uh, uh, has been great support to be here. Of course, thank you, Emilio, to accept, as commence my research work, and of you to be here. This is part of a big project about the environmental history of Mexico City. This is a kind of draft for a project book in the future. And, and in this part, I, I put the, the main topics that uh, I will research more profoundly. And this is the best, uh, well, the, the first uh, result of this uh, about the 19th century. The final objective of, of this big project research is uh, have a, a a different context to explain our present uh, environmental and ecological disaster in Mexico City. Uh, as you know, recently we have a, we had a, a big pollution, and the city was <coughs> shocked by 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 it. Um, this is a, 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 a need for to me to give an historical explanation of this ecological and urban disaster of our capital city of Mexico. So, uh, in this part, uh, I, I will talk about the 19th century of this uh, history. <coughs> and the general objective in this part is show the historical links between the environmental transformation and the urbanization in the Valley of Mexico City in the 19th century. Um, I, I focus my analysis on several of the practice and discourse through which various social actors project and legitimize their appropriation of the natural environment, as well on the works of the drainage of the Valley of Mexico, that governments emerged from independence resumed and conclude in the year 1900 that direct drainage of the valley, and in one, 1,903, the drainage of the city. <coughs> the hypothesis that um, I, I argue is, is that arise is that the drying of the lakes of the valley and of, of diverse water bodies of the city of Mexico was a secular and complex process that involved not only the drainage works planned for that purpose, but also a set of directed practices to the appropriation, use, and exploitation of natural elements for agricultural, urban, and manufacturing purposes, which gradually deteriorate and precarious environmental conditions as well as the social conditions of the populations of the valley and the city. In this context, the drainage works of the valley and the city promote the national government throughout the 19th century until its conclusion 
by ignoring the role and impact of such practices on environmental and health problems that it tried to resolve with the realization, can be read them as the continuity of the secular project born after the defeat of Mexico Tenochtitlan aimed to impose an urban regime according to the aspirations of the political and economical elites post-independence of variety political side. <coughs> I divide this part of my research in the following parts. Um, geology and environment of the basin of Mexico, where I make a physical, material, and environmental description of the basin and establish that these clothes and water currents don't have natural all the form, which promote a gradual, sometimes accelerate, sedimentation of the bottom of the basin. In the second part, city and environment in the pre-Hispanic and colonial times, I explained that the indigenous city of Mexico Tenochtitlan developed a complex hydraulic system that allowed it to use the water in its favor and contain the excess of these currents, which at the time that the conquest already showed signs of dysfunction, aggravated by the new colonial regime, the launch of colossal work to spell the waters and protect the properties, assets, and interests of the new inhabitants of the city. <coughs> um, in this <coughs> image, uh, we can see a representation of the old Texcoco Lake by uh, Alexander Humboldt. He made this representation working on the field and making uh, research in uh, the geology, the environment, um, the history of the city. Um, it's curious, this representation, because it's the second representation where we, we can see uh, how uh, was the imaginer, the imaginary about the uh, old lake in the Hispanic times. The circle uh, closed this idea that with the research of Humboldt, he tried to, to represent the, the waters uh, uh, <coughs> on the, the, the city. Um, in that way, uh, Humboldt tried to advert, in my sense, he tried to advert to the authorities in that time that uh, this could be a, a way to understand how the, the waters worked on the valley. And by the left, the right side, we have the, the plane of the drainage, uh, which was taken to, to the works of the drainage of the valley. It was made by uh, Francisco de Garay, um, was formed in uh, the half of the 19th century, and we can see <coughs> the plan of the drainage of the valley was sent the dirty waters of the city to the lake of the Texcoco and take the waters that flowed uh, on the lake and the waters of the city and and send the Uh, and send them by a big channel, digging, digging the land, 
uh, and go into crossing the old lakes, Saltocan, um, Zumpango. Well, we have here Saltocan and San Cristobal. Sometimes they form uh, all, only one lake. Sometimes they are divided. It depends on the rainy season. We go through crossing the mountains and put the waters into the the rivers that lend the waters to the Gulf of Mexico. So the generalized environmental consequence of the Dranelo Valley, says Candianin, who, who has studied this topic on the colonial times, was the simplification of aquatic, wetland, and terrestrial ecosystems, as well as an alteration of the climate and the environment in general, and the commercial exploitation of land, water, plant, and animal species. Effects all of which continued into the 19th century in the independent era, not without the lively opposition and resistance of indigenous and peasant communities, which were not kept passive throughout this period, but were also active agents generating struggles policies, but also environmental modifications to give continuity to the appropriation practices of resources, hunting, fishes, fishing, wetland, agriculture, aquatic trade, etc., in which they sustain the modes of existence. Humboldt, an analysis about all of these conditions, environmental conditions of the, of the basin and, the, and about the practice uh, on the environment by the inhabitants of the basin of Mexico. And he recognized that the cause of the environmental deterioration and in this way he envisioned options to maintain the hydrology of the valley Although it can be said by his enlightened conception of nature, he leaned down the drain, a contradiction that goes unnoticed by Candiani and that makes it questionable to me why she did not highlight Humboldt's critical observations about the causes of environmental deterioration and the options for reserving it, which are derived from them. In another part of this <coughs> section of my research, the independent regime and the challenges of the Spanish. I examine what was the environmental deterioration of the bison and its population, the city and the colonial Spanish structures after the completion of the independence. I emphasize the successive settlements and appropriation of resources of the bison, the, te the deterioration, the abandonment and the alteration that landowners and farmers made of the old structures of the colonial Spanish in the basin as in the city, as well as the corruption of the authorities on chairs of the same and the lack of articulation between general and local authorities as causes of the breach of their functions and consequently as causes of the diminution of the water levels of the cultural colonization of all wetlands and eventually in the disposition of lands for the expansion of the city, the floods, and the pestilence that affect public health, property, and mobility. In the next sections, uh, drainage, environmental deterioration, and social discord, I describe and explain how crucial it was for the hygiene, sanity, and safety of the city maintain its complex hydraulic system. However, I demonstrate how neither citizens, nor owners, nor authorities, nor scientists had a complete and comprehensive understanding of this operational technical priority for the environmental man management of the valley and its natural elements. 
what prevailed in environmental practice, practices was a patrimonial and mercantile use of the natural environment sponsored or favored by a corrupt, unstable, and divided institutional political regime within a society that is still ragged in its colonialist imprint, racialist, corporate, and hierarchical, which there were no reason to do the public and socially necessary, but always the urgent and the particularly convenient. Thus, each social sector thought about the environment and acted on it for its own interests. And as a result, for decades, the drainage structures of the city and the valley suffered abandonment in their maintenance as well as alterations, modifications, looting, and destructions, all of which contribute to the environmental, social, and institutional deterioration of the valley and the city. It's a kind of metaphor for the political situation of Mexico in that time. In the next section, rain, engineers, doctors, and politicians, I argue that the medical opinion in favor of the desiccation tend to gain greater strength in the decade of 1870, since the members of this community began to occupy important public positions and their opinions impacted the public health policies through the Higher Health Council and the Ministry of Public Works on which the drainage works and the ballet depend. Doctors ruled for the education despite the fact that within their guild there were solid argued positions contrary to the education, but politically weak in a scenario dominated by the ideology of desiccation, sanctioned by the medical science itself and by the political power. Finally, drying and urbanization, a hidden relationship, I developed the idea that liberals and conservatives criticized the unhealthy condition of the city equally. The regime established with both political and social sectors throughout the 19th century promoted the desiccation and urbanization of Mexico City and favored urban business among individuals for which the continuity of the drainage works of the valley was an essential factor, like the disentitlement of the lands in the hands of the religious, indigenous, and civil communities, as well as the centralization of the municipal government of the capital in the hands of the federal executive power. Although it was in the 1870s, particularly from the government of Porfirio Diaz, that the widening and organization of the city tend to acquire an accelerated and sustained rhythm. It was the result of the interests and projects that individuals and governments had been building decades before, even before the consolidation of the independence in the western lands of the city, where they fractioned their lands rapidly to found and arise the home of the new national and foreign bourgeois, which adopt the Paseo de la Reforma as the axis of this urban expansion of the capital city. In this way, at the beginning of the 20th century, Mexico City was ready to be part of the transnational and urban capitalism, with its nature and its social and political order controlled by new federal courts, new centralized local government, and new transnational. This final image we can see is a 
representation of the 19 made by Henry Welsh, an American artist, and he made this representation for many American cities. And in this case, we have one of Mexico City that was made in 1905, and was used this representation to offer the lands of the new Colonia Roma, the famous Colonia Roma, recently by the film of Quarón. And we can see here, the west side, these lands are fractionated and are filling for the colonias Roma, Condesa, all the water channelized to the lake, and this is the viaduct, Rio de la Piedad, Calzada de la Viga, Rio Consulado, Circuito Interior, y acá tenemos la villa, ¿no? North, and the, yeah. and the south was not even developed. And it's not clear, but all this area is occupied by fabricas. You, as, uh, at the beginning, okay. 1905. Okay. Yeah. 1905? 1905, yeah. So, this is the antecedents of this situation that we live today. It's the end and I'm ready to receive your comments. Thank you for listening to the U.S.-Mex Today podcast, the Center for U.S.-Mexican Studies at UC San Diego's School of Global Policy and Strategy contributes to the ongoing integration process between U.S. and Mexico by providing a forum of thought leaders to engage in public dialogue and training. The Center supports a vibrant community of innovative scholars and practitioners who undertake cutting-edge research to guide policy decisions. For more information about the center, visit usmex.ucsd.edu and or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Till next time.